It's 12.09. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Almost every radio talk show in the country and almost every televised talking head show today is going to be spending a huge portion of time discussing the, the big issue of the day, which was, of course, the summit meeting between the North Korean dictator and President Trump. One of the things I've always prided myself on this program is just because everybody else jumps off the cliff, I do not necessarily follow suit. And I, that is clearly the biggest story, the, the meeting. But the truth of the matter is, the, the, there's only one take that you can have. And I, I don't care if you're liberal or conservative, Republican, Democrat. I don't care if you hate Donald Trump or love Donald Trump. There, there's only one take you can have. And that is that w- what happened today was a very, very good thing. Now, I don't know whether North Korea is going to decide that they're going to try to string the United States on and that they, at the end of the day, won't be serious about trying to move towards nuclear disarmament. You can certainly look at the history of the country and say, yeah, that's the case. Maybe President Trump is being unreasonably optimistic when he says, hey, I I think that they want to make a deal, and and that's just my judgment. This is what I do. Maybe he's being unreasonably optimistic. If there is ultimately some sort of structured deal that is in place, maybe it's going to be tough to ultimately enforce. All those are valid concerns. But here is the truth of the matter. If the developments today and this summit open the door for a dialogue which brings North Korea into the 21st century and allows them to say, all right, we are going to stop our saber rattling. We're going to stop our nuclear arms program. We're going to stop threatening to send ballistic missiles at Hawaii or at Japan. If it accomplishes that, it is a good thing. Now, again, maybe six months or a year from now, we will look back and with the benefit of hindsight say, well, this was just kind of a waste of time. And maybe that's going to happen. And maybe the Trump haters out there, and you know who you are, maybe then you'll get to say, see, I told you so, you know, this was never going to work. All right. But on the other hand, maybe it will work. We just don't know right now. But there's no way that you can look at what's happened over the last 24 hours and anybody, everybody needs to look at and say, all right, this, this is a good thing. Because if we can make the world a little bit of a safer place, and if we can make that Korean peninsula a little bit of a safer place, well, that's a big deal. Because we haven't been able to do that. The United States hasn't been able to do it. The Allies haven't been able to do it for the last, I don't know, 50 or 60 years. So if we're able to do that, it's a good thing. Now, maybe it won't work out. And maybe, again, we're going to find out that the president was played and all those type of things. But I'm hoping not. And I think all of us, all of us, again, Trump haters, Trump lovers, Republicans, Democrats, independents, conservatives, liberals, all of us should be encouraged by the developments today and should hope that the world will become a safer place as a result of this. And if that means Donald Trump gets some credit for it, well, for those of you who are Trump haters, get over yourselves. And for if it turns out that, all right, it, it again, it, it all blows up, no pun intended, and we're back to square one, well, okay, then it, I think you have to look at it and say it was worth the effort. But I don't, I see, I just don't see a discussion topic that's out there about this. This was a good thing. Maybe it won't work out. All right, and we'll have a chance to analyze that. But the only interpretation I think that any reasonable person can have about the developments of today is that, all right, very, very good thing.
All right, now let's talk about important stuff. The Milwaukee Brewers have been in first place for a long period of time. They've dropped out of first place with that loss to the Chicago Cubs yesterday. Tough game. I, I was out to dinner. Fran and I were out to dinner with some, some friends, and I got back just in time for the eighth inning to watch the Cubs catch up, and then I sat and watched the end of the game, including the meltdown in the 11th inning. and just, It just kind of got ugly, but all right. They're, they're still they're having a good season. The problem is, at least right now, the Cubs are a better team. It pains me to say that, but the Cubs have won eight of the nine games with the Brewers. That that's you know you, you can't argue the numbers. And right now, the the Cubs it appears to me are a better team. Doesn't mean that's going to be the way it is at the end of the season. But there was an interesting and provocative story that they posted on JS Online, which was actually the subject of something that I was discussing with a couple friends the other day. Um, the Brewers in their division, are competing with the Cubs and with the Cardinals. Both teams travel well. If you go to Miller Park when the Cardinals are here, there's always a lot of St. Louis fans. I was not at the game last night. I'm going tonight. I'm going tomorrow afternoon after my program. But just watching on television like I was, it looked like, once again, it was probably about 50-50 Cubs fans to Brewers fans, which is an irritant. Cubs are beating the Brewers, and there's always that Miller Park takeover that's going on. So those are frustrating things. But the Cardinals have been a big rival as well. Here's what I want to start the program off with. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers Nation. This is the way the Journal Sentinel headline reads. Which team do Brewers fans despise more, the Cubs or the Cardinals? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. They've both been rivals for a number of years. It was the Cardinals that beat the Brewers in 82 when the Brewers were in the American League in the World Series. It was the Cardinals that stopped the Brewers from um, getting to the World Series a few years back. All right. Brewers Nation, of the two teams, the Cubs and the Cardinals, which one do you despise the most? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. To me, it is an easy answer, but I am curious as to where you come down on this. What do you think, Brewers fans? We discuss in just a moment, and I will certainly give you my answer. It's 1216, and we will be giving you constant traffic updates. If you haven't heard, Freeway is an absolute and total mess. It is shut down. Um, They're making you get off uh, before Mitchell Street um, off of I-9443. Back with more calls in just a minute. Who do you hate the most, the Cardinals or the Cubs? 1216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As Eric just said, it's twelve nineteen. All right, Chicago Cubs are in town. The Brewers are having a great season, um, except they can't beat the Cubs. They've lost eight out of nine games to the Cubs. Their two principal rivals are the Cubs and the Cardinals. Journal Sentinel asks a provocative question: Brewers fans, who do you despise more? I don't think this is even close, but I am curious as to your answer. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're first. Hello. Hello. Hi, Steve. Who do you hate more? I hate the Cubs. <laughs> Tell me why. They just, you know, they they they're very uh, their fans are very obnoxious. I've been to uh, several games uh, during the time that they play here in Milwaukee. I've been to a couple of Wrigley games, and I feel like when the Brewers travel to Wrigley, we're not as aggressive as they are when they come here. And even though that you know St. Louis has had our number for years, um, I just feel the Cubs fans just are just really aggressive and. They're jerks. That's what you're saying. Cubs yeah. fans collectively are jerks. 
Yes, they are. <laughs> Thanks for well. He's right. He he he's let's look. He's if you are a Cubs fan, okay. Individually, you might be a wonderful person. I I get that. I understand that. And on an individual basis, I'm sure there's Cubs fans that are wonderful people. Collectively, Cubs fans are jerks. And that has been my experience, coupled with the fact that Milwaukee Brewers season ticket holders, shame on them, sell their tickets to the Cubs fans because they make a bunch of money because Cubs fans will pay a lot of dough to come up here. And you have kind of the takeover of Miller Park. You couple the jerk nature of the fans collectively. And I understand some people are Cubs fans don't like to be told that you individually might be wonderful, but collectively they're jerks. And the fact that they travel in masses and you get a bunch of jerks together in Miller Park. Yeah, I understand that. I I find Cubs fans to be absolutely insufferable. Cardinals fans, it's kind of different. Cardinals fans um, are kind of superior, but eh, I just think it's different. 414-799-1620. I didn't go last night. I am going tonight. I'm going tomorrow afternoon. And I I tell you, it's kind of like I know what you're going to be getting into. You're going to be sitting around... Just a, a unique breed of fan. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Good. Who do you hate more? Oh, obviously the Cubs. That's because they all have master's degree in obnoxious. I mean, they literally just kind of like your previous caller said. Whether you go down there or they come up here and they travel in mass, which you know, so does you know, obviously St. Louis. I mean, they, I mean, let's face it, they have they have a really good traveling crowd too, but they're you know, they it's just, different. They're, they're not even they're not even the same league as far as obnoxious fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. There's a degree of I, I don't know, kind of sort of arrogance or self righteousness about the Cardinals fans that you know they're you know, but but it's different with the Cubs fans. I mean, they it's have a just quiet confidence. They have yes. a quiet confidence. You know, <laughs> yes, really, what it comes down to. Where the Cubs. It's it's right. It's this in-your-face arrogance, which is even more frustrating that the Brewers can't beat them this year. Which which I I concede, kind of okay. That's you know, knock the chip off my shoulder on this. But just collectively, for years and years, I respect the fact that they travel well. But I hate the Cubs. I can't help myself. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I think I think you'll probably every single call you'll get will be <laughs> all saying Cubs because it's it's you know and then. You know the Bears fans aren't exactly much better. Uh, yeah, I guess thanks. I mean, I just thought, I haven't been to enough Packers Bears games, and and the difference. Part of the difference is that really hasn't been that much of a rivalry for the last several years because the Bears have not been good and the Packers, and I understand the Bears have won a game here and there, but the Packers have been a dominant team. The Bears have been down, so it's tough to really kind of have that rivalry. And again, I in leading into this, I acknowledge this year, at least so far, the Cubs have the Brewers' numbers, but that doesn't change the fact that I hate the Cubs fans. Let's talk to Chuck in Brookfield. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. I have to change my uh, tone here. I have the Cardinals ever since the 82 World Series. You've got an organization that you can compare to the New England Patriots. All they all they got to do is win. Every year they're in there. I'm so sick of the Cardinals. <laughs> and it's the Cubs fans that we don't like. But the organization, come on, they went 100 years without winning. Well, no, see that. Okay, see that that it's it's actually it's that hundred years without winning, and so then okay, you know, lightning strikes, you win the one World Series. God bless you. That that's great. But it's like you think you're the New York Yankees. They act like they're God's gift to baseball. They've won one World Series, which I acknowledge is one more than the Brewers have won. But still, it's only one World Series. It's not like they've got a dynasty. 
Remember with Tony Larusa with the Cardinals, all the grief uh, that he gave us. Yeah, no, they thanks to the call. No, I mean the Cardinals long term have had a lot more success. Part of the thing too is I'm sick of hearing this. Oh, this is such a great story. Look, the the, the friendly Cubbies, and now they've turned themselves around. Well, okay, maybe some of the fans should realize that it's been your one thing in a hundred years. And again, I freely acknowledge that. You know, the Brewers haven't won a World Series yet. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I'm going to go back to fan behavior as the criterion. And last time I was at a game, I was surrounded by Cardinals fans. Uh-huh. And they were they were actually very cool. And one lady even lamented that they don't have racing food products, which was <laughs> kind of funny. And I've heard enough st- stories about the Cubs fans to, to say I definitely hate the Cubs more. And I'm... I'm probably going to need a safe space tonight when I go to the game. Yeah, well, me th- thanks to call, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to be there as well. So it's going to be I, – I, I will I will have tales from the front tomorrow because, you know, we're, we're going to be going I, – I have the season tickets, my 20-pack season tickets. I'm sitting there tonight. And, and tomorrow, my wife had off, so, you know, I – I actually, I, I bought tickets. This isn't like a press pass thing. I bought tickets, and I bought good tickets, and they were being, they were on sale. For, uh, undoubtedly, these some Brewer season ticket holder put these on the market, thinking a Cubs fan was going to buy them for a premium price. Ended up selling them to me. Um, Mike in Chicago. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hey Jeff, I listen to your show a lot. Thanks. Thanks. First of all, let me say I'm a diehard Packers fan, and I hate all the Chicago teams, and <laughs> I see it firsthand. During the spring and summer, they're so obnoxious, and they're, they are a bunch of jerks when they get into a horde of five or six walking down the street. <laughs> they think they own the street, and they just all got cubby blue on, and they just think they're high above everybody. I agree with you, and I do hate them, and i not a good, uh, great baseball fan. I would like to see Milwaukee anybody beat them as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike, from your from your lips to God's ear, thanks, thanks for joining us from Chicago. Yeah, and again, that's why I, I'm going to, trust me, I get these really, really nasty, hostile emails and stuff about this, and that's okay. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But I, I, I want to say, individually, you know, if you're a Cubs fan, you might be the greatest person in the world. You might, you know, love your dog and love your wife and be great with your kids, and I, I respect that. I, I get it. But he... He's absolutely right. Mike from Chicago is absolutely right. You get five or ten Cubs fans together in a group, and the group mentality just kind of takes over, and that is why I hope, I hope, I hope the Brewers can figure out a way to get the Cubs number, especially the next two days. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We'll keep you updated about what's going on in the freeway. There is a... What they're describing is a law enforcement situation on the freeway. Um, all northbound lanes of the freeway are closed. Um, they are diverting traffic off the freeway at the Beecher, uh, the, uh, the Beecher Mitchell exit. Um, that's I-94-43. So if you're heading northbound, you're going to have to get off. You're going to be forced to get off at that particular exit. You probably want to get off beforehand. We'll continue to keep you updated. But right now, traffic is just at an absolute stop, and it's starting to back up farther and farther. We have no idea how long the situation is going to take. Like I say, it's a law enforcement situation, and we'll continue to keep you updated and bring you more details as time goes on. I have. Um, I, I don't want to take the moral high ground on this necessarily, but over the years, I have had uh, a number of friends and acquaintances who have ended up 
who have either had, had a permanent disability or have you know had, had a temporary disability, whether it's you know or hip replaced or they, they've torn up their knee or or other people who you know were confined to wheelchairs, and I, I just I, I've I've watched how much trouble people have just going through and doing the everyday things of life when you know you don't have for example complete mobility and things like that and that's one of the reasons why we have parking places that are available for people um that have disabilities all right now there's all sorts of stories about I don't know, people who kind of scam the system and like mom's got a disabled parking pass and so the, the kids take it so they can save a few steps. And I think there's a special place and you know where for, for that type of person. I, I remember a, a number of years ago, my, my late wife broke her leg and um, she got, it was legitimate, she broke her leg, she got a, a disabled parking permit and the way the rules worked is if I was driving, we could use that. We could use that, um, you know, park up close, help her out of the car if you want to go shopping. I don't think we use that once simply because I just didn't think it was was right. So what I would do is I would drop her off, you know, at the door to the grocery store and make sure she was situated. And then I would drive around. I'd find a regular parking space because I just didn't think we needed. There was I was worried that there was somebody else that needed that spot more than we did under that particular circumstance. You know, if she was driving by herself, that might be a different story. But as long as I was there, I could drop her off. I'll find another parking space. Let's leave that open for them. And I, I admit that a lot of times I will see people parked in these disabled parking per- spaces and I, you, you can't tell a book by its cover. And you, know, you see somebody get out and run in and you're kind of going, I'm not sure if that's a legitimate use, but it's not necessarily for me to say other than the fact that I think it's a big deal to park in one of those disabled parking spaces, and it's a particularly big deal if you're not disabled. Which brings me to a story that they aired the other day on today's TMJ4. An Elkhorn mother is calling out a city worker for parking in a handicapped accessible spot. Um, The employee in the wrong happens to be the person who usually hands out tickets. Huh. It's not right. That's a spot that's designated for handicapped individuals, and we needed that area, says this lady. All right, here's the story. The Elkhorn mom pulled into First National Bank with her daughter in Elkhorn. Her daughter uses a wheelchair. When they pull into the bank, they find that the loading zone of the lone handicapped accessible spot has been taken by a government vehicle. Lady says, I noticed a lady in a bright yellow jacket that said parking authority or something like that on the back of the coat. So she's parked in the disabled parking stall. So this lady's got her child with the wheelchair. All right, can't use the one disabled parking stall. So the mom says, she, she goes inside the bank and she confronts the driver, confronts the government worker. And the response of the government worker is, um, I'm human. <laughs> Yeah, I parked there. I'm, I'm human. Lake Geneva officials confirmed that this was one of their parking vehicles. In an email, they said they were unloading heavy coin boxes at the bank. The city administrator said it was a mistake to park there. Hmm. Here's where it gets even interest, more interesting. The worker was not ticketed. The worker who parks in the disabled parking space was not ticketed but was verbally reprimanded. Hmm, that had to sting. 
Um, let's see. Uh, another neighbor says they should know better, but I, I think sometimes they take advantage of that. It's disappointing to see that a city worker would park illegally and then expect to park properly, the other people to park properly and follow the laws. Uh, the lady who filed the complaint said it's common for her to see drivers illegally parked in disabled spots. She saw it happen three times last week alone. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I admit this this is a pet peeve of mine, and it hits a nerve. I think it's a big deal for people to misuse this. I, I, I really do. And the idea that you could have somebody who works for the, the city, who is you know responsible for issuing parking tickets, who decides that because they're unloading heavy coin boxes, they're going to park in the disabled parking space, taking it away from somebody who really uses it, and then the only thing that's going to come of it is a reprimand. I think... You know, what's going on down there? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, is there now some exception in Lake Geneva that, hey, if you're a government vehicle, well, you know, park in the disabled parking spaces, and if you get caught, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you not to do it again. I think people who do this deserve to get tickets, pure and simple. And candidly, I would like to see us be more aggressive when it comes to ticketing people and aggressively ticketing people who are parked in these disabled parking spaces. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This lady who went to Channel 4, I think she's got a legitimate beef. Hey, I find this government worker who's parked in the disabled parking space, and then it turns out she doesn't even get a ticket for doing this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1242. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246, as Eric just mentioned, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're just tuning in, today's TMJ4 had this story about a, a woman who, down in Elkhorn, uh, kind of the Lake Geneva area, she's down in Elkhorn. She pulls into the, this bank. She's got her daughter, who's four years old, needs a wheelchair. There's a, a government vehicle that's parked in the disabled parking space, the only one they have available. She goes in, and it turns out to be a government worker. The story is, gee, they had lots of coins they were unloading. The coin boxes were heavy, so they parked in the disabled parking space. And the story is that the person who did it, well, according to the community, Lake Geneva says, well, they weren't ticketed. They, they were reprimanded. They were told not to do it again. Where does this come from? 414-799-1620. Rob in Milwaukee. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Hi, Rob. So, um, I was, you know, I, I heard your first segment, and I've had this pet peeve in the same thing in the city of Milwaukee, where you have city employees that work at MATC or around the Seidler building, and they're all issued handicapped parking spaces, uh, passes, and they're not handicapped. Mm -hmm. And I've questioned many of them because I'm a contractor working in that area. And they said, you know, emphysema might be a handicap or uh, cirrhosis might be a handicap, so leave us alone. And mm -hmm. and they walk or, you know, they walk just fine off to their job, but they use up a lot of spaces in Milwaukee. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, a number of years back, I, I know one of the TV stations, I honestly don't remember which one, did this expose because if you've got the disabled parking sticker, you can park at a meter for free all day. And what they found is there were a number of 
government workers who worked at like the state office building or city hall or whatever and and they would they would have these they would have the disabled parking permits that were in many cases issued like to their mother or their father or something like that they'd use them to just park at the meter all day and take the space yeah i remember those stories yeah, well, no. apparently the re- the reprimand—that's all it is. They keep doing it then. Yeah, thank, thanks for coming. No, I remember because that was that was one of the big scandals a number of years ago. Because again, I mean, I understand if you if you have a if you've got a disabled parking permit, you, you don't want somebody to have to if you're disabled to run out and have to feed the meter every two hours. But it was a huge scam. Now I don't know how often it goes on, but I do think it's interesting that you know it's still all right. I, I'm the government worker. I'm going to park in this particular thing, and then I'm going to be getting a reprimand, told not to do it again. Well, that's nuts. You should get a ticket, and you should be expected to pay that ticket. Let's talk to Todd in Oshkosh. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi there. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my, I, I feel for the person, if there was only one handicapped spot that's kind of unusual, um, if you go to any of the malls or strip centers or anything, there could be up to 10 to 12 of these handicapped spots. Mm-hmm. And my position is a lot of these people are not handicapped. I myself tore both Achilles tendons. I didn't park at a, uh, one of those handicapped spots. Mm-hmm. I took my, my, uh, my uh, crutches and walked up. And my neighbor, who has a handicapped spot, he spends nine hours a day standing up welding in his garage. I think the... The handicap stickers are given up much too freely, and I think there's way too many handicap spots available to these people. I see them all the time parking in these spots and just walking freely and effortlessly into retail stores. Well, is, is, now the problem again, Todd, is you, 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 don't, you, you don't know what medical condition a person might have, that, and, and sometimes it's not always going to be visible that justifies it. But to your bigger point, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of what I'm going to call the doctor feel-goods out there that give out these things like, like candy. Um, and so you have people who, you know, number one, probably really don't need them. Number two, you do, I think, have an incredible amount of abuse of these things. Um, whereas, like I say, somebody's got the ticket, somebody's got the disabled parking sticker, uh, the person with the dis- disability isn't in the car. Hey, mom's got one. I'm going to drive around because it's more convenient. And it's almost impossible to enforce, again, because you don't want to go up to somebody and say, well, you don't look like you should have that disabled parking sticker. I mean, if you've got the parking sticker, it- it's pretty much, okay, we're not going to ask you questions. But I have no doubt that there's people who abuse this. Anne in Milwaukee. Anne, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly and with these other people that have called in. It really is misused and abused. My husband had it. He just died in May, and he had it for three months. We used it twice, and he didn't really want to use it those two times. He he had cancer, but he could walk maybe 25 to 30 feet, and then he would get tired. That's why the doctor said, oh, he should really have mm-hmm. the, the sticker. The the two days before he died, we went to a church that had a, I believe it, I think it only has one also, one handicapped spot, and it was taken, and I did look, and I noticed there wasn't any license plate or sticker in it, and on the way out, someone was there fixing a flat tire, and I said, thank you for taking that spot. Yeah. My husband had to walk about 50, 60 feet from across the street 
And he laughed and said, well, I hit a pothole on the way here. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. Uh, uh, see that? And that's his the luxury stuff that, car. Yeah, that, I mean, thanks for that, that, that. See, that's the stuff that's aggravating. That's why I, I firmly do believe there's a special spot, and you know where, for people who knowingly and intentionally take these. That's why I think... I applaud vigorous enforcement of this. I'm one of these people who's down on like o- overly aggressive parking enforcement to try to raise revenue. But this is this is a different thing. Um, here's a text. I just dropped my husband off for his chemotherapy appointment. He has a handicap placard, but I chose to drop him off at the door and pull into a regular parking spot. I feel those spots should be safe for individuals that really need them. Yeah, I guess that's kind of like I say, that's that's sort of the way I, I've always approached this too. Um, most of us should wake up every morning thanking our lucky stars that we don't need to ha- make use of one of those disabled parking uh you know parking places. I mean it, it, it's great. You've got the mobility, you don't have those physical problems. Um those spots really should be reserved for the people who need them and just because you've got in this case some a government employee who's got to unload some heavy coin boxes heaven forbid heaven forbid that you know uh gee they should have to walk a couple extra feet to do that um i just it, it's there's the larger issue of taking these spaces and then there's a smaller issue of Boy, if you're from the government, do you get to do pretty much whatever you want? 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers and Cubs are battling it out this week for first place in the National League Central. What does Bob Euchre think of the Brewers' hot start? Mr. Baseball joins Gene Miller live tomorrow, 751 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Gru, who's producing the show today and always. Do you know what a crusty is? You do not know what a crusty is. Well, keep listening to the show because during the 1 o'clock hour, we are going to discuss the Krusty's phenomena. So you will know something you have to, to discuss with Mrs. Gru you know, tonight over the dinner table. We're also going to discuss the latest Robert De Niro sighting and Alec Baldwin. Ah, oh, that's a pair to draw to. Robert De Niro and Alec Baldwin, they are yeah, they're just kind of refusing to go away. And speaking of refusing to go away... Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton sits down with the PBS NewsHour and gives a, an interview. You know, he's gone his book tour. He's trying to sell this fiction book that he wrote, and he still hasn't quite grasped, I don't know, the impact of the Me Too movement. What Bill Clinton said on TV has now gone viral, and it has some of his most ardent supporters scratching their heads and generally thinking, Bill Maybe it's just time you stopped giving interviews. We will talk about all of that in the 1 o'clock hour of the program. Stick around. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Um... There's an interesting detail that is emerging from the meeting between the leaders of North Korea and President Trump. Apparently, President Trump is a creature of, of course, television, celebrity apprentice, apprentice. And apparently, before the meeting, the president had a four-minute movie trailer prepared, which he showed to the North Korean dictator, um, to try to encourage him to want to make a deal. And that has now been made public. 
Um, they, they showed it to the press corps. It has now been made public. We're going to talk about this in, in a little bit. But it is something, it runs about four minutes. It, it's something that needs to be seen to be believed. And, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how you react to this. If you would like to you know, see the trailer, if you simply text me the word trailer, T-R-A-I-L-E-R, like movie trailer, trailer to 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line, you can see the video. Like I say, it runs about four minutes. We will play some, maybe all of it, later on in the program as we get ready to discuss it. But if you want to get a head start on that and you want to see the the mini-movie, which was shown to the North uh, the, the North Korean you know, dictator by the president that was prepared in an effort to try to, I don't know, bring him to the table, um, you, you can see it. And this has now been made public. So text me the word trailer, T-R-A-I-L-E-R, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We, we'll play it a little bit later on in the show. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to see it if you chose. It's um, it's an interesting, interesting thing. All right. Yesterday, we discussed the appearance of Robert De Niro at the Tony Awards on Sunday night. The Tony Awards are the Broadway Musical Awards. Robert De Niro was there to introduce Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen has been doing a one-man show on Broadway that is is the hottest ticket uh, going, and it's been extended a couple times, and so Springsteen is getting a special award. De Niro comes out, and you perhaps saw this, and he this is live TV. Now, there is a 10-second delay, so CBS was able to censor it, but he stands there. He's being applauded because he's Robert De Niro. He's done all these great movies. He hasn't made too many great movies lately, but, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, Robert De Niro made a lot of really good movies, and he's very, very well-respected, and he stands up, and they're applauding him, and he says, I have one thing to say, and then he uses a word that I can't say on the radio, blank Trump. He says it. This is on live TV. And, of course, all the beautiful people in the in the auditorium stand up. They give him a standing ovation. And then after the standing ovation step subsides, he says, it's not just down with Trump, it's blank Trump. And he says it again. And they roar. And then it goes on. And he introduces um, Bruce Springsteen. And then, you know, we're kind of off to, to the races. And, you know, we talked yesterday about the coarsening and, you know, whether or not this is appropriate. And, and my theory is, of course, that this is how you end up losing elections. Because I, I think there are a number of people who just don't want to be part of this club. You know, maybe, you know, you're in the middle of the road, maybe you like Trump, maybe you don't, maybe you're kind of on the fence, but when you see this over-the-top kind of reaction and the breaking down of the normal barriers of civility, I, I think people kind of tune out to this. Well, De Niro wasn't finished, so this was Sunday night at the um, Tony Awards. On Monday, he's in Canada of all places, and he's in downtown Toronto. He's a co-owner of the Nobu restaurant business, um, kind of high-end restaurants, and they're they're opening a new development in downtown Toronto. And so he gets applauded, and then he decides, okay, I, I'm going to continue my political behavior. He says, he starts off by saying, I want to make a note of apology He's talking to Canadians for the idiotic behavior of my president. And then everybody starts applauding. He says, it's a disgrace. He said, it's disgusting. And, you know, then he goes on again to you know, criticize Trump 
while he's in Canada and, you know, apologize for, again, the idiotic behavior of my president. And, of course, all the Canadians end up going wild and they're applauding him. Oh, this is great. We've got Robert De Niro here, you know, who is dissing on the president. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. The, the more I think about this, the more I become convinced that if you if you want to see Republicans succeed in November, and if you want to see President Trump reelected, the more behavior you get from out-of-control Hollywood celebrities or New York celebrities, the more that's going to happen. Now, look, I understand that there's people who feel exactly that way about President Trump. I, I Look, I, I understand that. I understand that there is this disdain, there's this distaste. I even understand where some of it comes from. My point is, by breaking down these barriers of civility, by doing this stuff, I think you make it more likely that average people are going to support him. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I don't know about you, but I, for one, am sick to death of these entitled, uber-wealthy celebrities deciding that they're going to use their celebrity in to, again, whether it's to bash President Trump or to bash conservatives, bash Republicans or whatever. And, and I think, candidly, while they are playing, there was an article in the Washington Post that talked about this as tribalism. They're, they're playing to their tribe. You know, that the hardcore Trump haters out there, they can't get enough of this. Absolutely. Bobby De Niro, you go do this. But other people, the people that are outside of that tribe, the people that you're going to need on your side if you're going to win an election, they're turned off by this. 414-799-1620. Mike in East Troy. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I just wanted to say uh, when Trump was on the verge of getting elected, they said that they were all going to flee the country and move to Canada. I'm wondering how many have actually done that. Uh, well, obviously not Robert De Niro. He's opening businesses there, but he's still here. Yeah, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, that's, I mean, that, of course, you know, that's the thing. Well, if they win, we're going to leave. And, of course, they're not going to leave. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just think from a from a practical standpoint, the more you have this overt hostility, the more stuff that goes on, the more times you have, and, and again, I understand Robert De Niro gets the standing ovation inside the Tony Award Auditorium. Okay, that's five or 600 New York City elites. I don't think that stuff plays well in the places that you need it to play well to win elections. We continue the conversation next. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, the way one of the Washington Post columnists described this was, was tribalism. Robert De Niro shows up on Sunday night at the Tony Awards. Blank Trump. Not just down with him, but blank Trump. All right. He, he's appealing to his tribe, the hardcore Trump haters. And, and that that's fine. But there's not a majority of the country that, that's there. There might be, you know, lots of people that are the hardcore Trump haters, but there's all sorts of people who are kind of on the fence. I think they're turned off by that. Robert De Niro goes to Canada yesterday. He's in Toronto. He's apologizing for the idiocy of the president of the United States, and the Canadians are all cheering. That, that That's great for him to do it, but I, I think that the more you see that, the more 
the more the silent majority gets turned off by this type of stuff. Let's start with John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, John. Yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, we're, we even saw it on the local level. I think it really helped Walker get elected. With Act 10. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think people, you know, who disagree with the Democrats and are are called racist, who truly are not racist. I mean, people are getting sick of it. And, yeah, I, uh, right, I, right. I think there, right, there, there's a lot of people that are, again, on the fence, or, right, or, or if you are a Republican or you're a conservative, after a while it kind of wears on you. Oh, you're ignorant. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a hater. Oh, you're a misogynist. Give me a break. But it, it's, it's that tribalism that, that's there, that that's the worldview that some people have. I just don't think it's a winning strategy. Well, the other thing is that, uh, you know, the Democrats always touted themselves as the party for the people uh, or the underprivileged. Well, you know, you look at the wealth of some of these uh, Democrats, particularly, you know, you're talking about um, De Niro, you know, the guy's worth millions. So I don't think they truly represent the people well no i i th- thanks for, I, I don't either and I, I think that that backlash is the type of thing that plays out you're exactly in my opinion 100 percent right i made this i've been making this point for years i think the over-the-top reaction to act 10 just turned a lot of people off there were people that might have thought okay maybe walker's proposal governor walker's proposals in act 10 is going a little bit too far you know maybe we don't need to you know completely you know do away with all this collective bargaining right but when they saw the over-the-top reaction and when they saw the union thugs pouring in from out of state and when they saw the takeover of the capital you know a lot of people just said this isn't a group that i want to be part of and i think it led directly to his winning the recall election by a bigger margin than he won election for you know two years earlier i think that same thing is playing out because i i mean i look at I look at like this latest story. Okay, Robert De Niro, you know, in Toronto, calling the apologizing to Canadians for the idiocy of the president. Who is Robert De Niro, for goodness sakes? And I think the more people think it, you go, okay, this is the classless jerk who decided to drop two f bombs on live TV and then gets a standing ovation because of it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Another John, John in Milwaukee. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to. Uh talk about the uncivility i think it's 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 uh both parties it's 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 on both sides it's everywhere i mean you know and so both 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 sides need to just stop and you know and even the president's uh one of his staff called the the said there's a place in hell for a for the other Trudeau, yeah. That, yeah, that's Peter yeah. Navarro, who who is subsequently, as a matter of fact, apologized for that. Right, he says, right. In, I'm just saying that yeah. everybody needs to stop. Well, that, you know, that's it's, fair it's enough. Both sides. It's it's not just, you know. I, well, I don't. Not, in fairness, though, John, I I don't see, I, I don't see too many. I don't know, opponents of or proponents of President Trump going on live television and dropping f bombs like like De Niro did. Would you agree with me? That that's over the top. Oh. Certainly, yeah. but uh, there, there have been. But I'm just saying that the, the uncivility is on both. Is, is all around. I, I, no, thanks, and I and I I, I get that, and, and and I also I respect the argument that President Trump brings this a lot on himself because of his personality and his aggressiveness, and and I I, I understand that argument, and I don't disagree with 
that to an extent. But I think what you're seeing is this is ratcheted up to a, a different level, whether it's the Samantha B shows of the world, where you use a word that nobody, nobody thinks is an appropriate word to refer to women that's used, you know, in the context of, you know, the, the Trump daughter, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's just, and my only point is, when you throw this language around and when you keep moving the the line of acceptability, I think there's a lot of people in the mainstream, and that's really where most people are. I think there's a lot of people in the mainstream that just look at this and go, what the heck? Now, in, in reference to John's point, he's absolutely right. Peter Navarro, um, over the weekend, you know, issues this statement, and, and he's um, one of the trade advisors. You know, after the whole brouhaha at the G7 meeting, you know, he issued a statement um, saying that he thought there was a special place in hell for the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, um, who then, because, you know, Trudeau had apparently had, had criticized President Trump and maybe had reneged on something. I, you know, it, it gets a little complex. Um, but I thought Navarro was wrong. He says, in conveying the message, I used language that was inappropriate and basically lost the power of that messages, message. I own that. That was my mistake, my words. Will we see Robert De Niro apologize? Eh, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. All right, we're going to be talking about this this movie, and I say movie trailer. It was like a, a four-minute I don't know, video that was apparently prepared and was shown to Kim Jong-un. If you want to see that video, you can text me the word trailer, as in movie trailer, T-R-A-I-L-E-R, to 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're going to play it in a couple minutes, and I'll, I'll try to give you a description of it as it's playing. But um, it, it's amazing, and... Some people are saying it was incredibly schlocky. Um, others are saying it got the message across. We're going to discuss. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Um, you can argue that John F. Kennedy was probably the first media-savvy president that we had. Ronald Reagan certainly knew how to use the media. Bill Clinton certainly knew how to use the media. Barack Obama definitely knew how to use the media. But but nobody nobody knows how to use the media like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a media creation. Um, and, and, of course, this is what happens when, you know, he, he was a sort of mini TV star, you know, had his TV shows and things like that, um, was a guy who got a lot of attention, uh, even though you've got the mainstream media that just completely and totally despises him. At, at the same time, Trump has this image. you got to give him credit. He knows how to present that image. You know, we were talking a little bit about, like, the tribalism before. Robert De Niro saying, you know, blank Trump, blank Trump. Well, that appeals to that tribe. President Trump, I think, knows how to appeal to his tribe as well. And he knows, I, I think, ways to try to... I don't know, approach people to get their attention. So anyhow, he's at this summit meeting. As we said at the start of the program, I, I really don't have a lot necessarily to say about the summit. I, you got to hope it works. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, Republican or Democrat, independent, doesn't matter. Don't care if you're a Trump hater or you're a Trump lover. What you want to do is, is if we can get closer to a little bit of world peace in this tiny section of the world, that's a good thing. And if that means that President Trump gets credit for it, well, okay, then he deserves credit for it. This is an interesting tactic, though, that, that he used. At one point in the meeting with Kim Jong-un, he apparently had an iPad. And on the iPad, he showed Kim Jong-un a, a, a video. It's a four-minute sort of mini-movie that he had had prepared 
Um, it's this kind of slick video, which was essentially like a Hollywood-style movie trailer presenting the North's, North Korea's possible future. It's got fighter jets. It's got missile launches cut together with images of dancing children, um, time-lapse sunrises over skyscrapers. It's, it's really something. Now, again, if you text me the word trailer, I'll, I'll send you a link to it, but it's got the narrator with the big, deep voice. It runs about four minutes, and again, I want to play you the audio. If you look at it in relation to the video, it's probably best. You can also access it off our website as well at WTMJ.com. But but here's, it runs about four minutes. Here's the audio from the mini trailer that was shown on an iPad to Kim Jong-un by the president. Here we go. Seven billion people inhabit planet Earth. Of those alive today... Only a small number will leave a lasting impact. And only the very few will make decisions or take actions that renew their homeland and change the course of history. History may appear to repeat itself for generations. Cycles that never seem to end. There have been times of relative peace and times of great tension. While this cycle repeats, the light of prosperity and innovation has burned bright for most of the world. History is always evolving. And there comes a time when only a few are called upon to make a difference. But the question is, what difference will the few make? The past doesn't have to be the future. Out of the darkness can come the light. And the light of hope can burn bright. What if a people that share a common and rich heritage can find a common future? Their story is well known, but what will be their sequel? Destiny Pictures presents A Story of Opportunity. A new story, a new beginning, one of peace, two men, two leaders, one destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? Or not? There can only be two results. One of moving back. Or one of moving forward. A new world can begin today. One of friendship, respect, and goodwill. Be part of that world, where the doors of opportunity are ready to be open. Investment from around the world, where you can have medical breakthroughs, an abundance of resources, innovative technology, and new discoveries. What if? Can history be changed? Will the world embrace this change? And when could this moment in history begin? It comes down to a choice. On this day, 
in this time, at this moment, the world will be watching, listening, anticipating, hoping. Will this leader choose to advance his country and be part of a new world? Be the hero of his people? Will he shake the hand of peace and enjoy prosperity like he has never seen? A great life or more isolation? Which path will be chosen? Featuring President Donald Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un in a meeting to remake history, to shine in the sun. One moment, one choice. What if? The future remains to be written. What that reminds me of is college basketball coaches, a lot of times when they're going out and they're recruiting high school players, they want to bring the star in. And what they'll do is they'll prepare four or five minute videos, like highlights from the kid's basketball career, you know, interspersed with big moments in team history saying, okay, this is this could be you. You're hitting the game-winning shot. You can be part of this tradition, etc. And, and they use it kind of as a recruiting tool. That That's where I've seen them a lot. As I was watching this, and again, you, you, you can see the images together with it, but I wanted to play the entire audio of it because you, you get this idea, and it's got the sunrises, and it's got the jets, and it's got all this stuff going on. I thought it was very interesting. Now, I will tell you, predictably, the reaction in among the mainstream media is kind of like turning up their nose. It's, you know, can you believe that, that he did something like this and kind of how schlocky could this be and all? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I guess I completely disagree with that assessment. I, I, it's like I, said, I don't know what's going to make a difference, but... Here you have, you're, you're trying to develop a relationship with somebody that obviously has a huge ego, maybe an ego that is as big as yours, if that's possible. You're trying to get their attention. I think, especially from a president who, you know, grew up is, as, you know, at least the last 10 years spent it as a TV star, this kind of slick packaging personality, I think something like this has the possibility of appealing to the ego slash the vanity of somebody like Kim Jong-un, essentially saying, we can help make a difference. We can bring about world peace. This is our chance. We can do it together. We can be stars of this Donald Trump-produced movie. You can be my co-star. All right, is this hopelessly schlocky, or is it just is it just different enough that it might work? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess it could also be schlocky and it might also work. But I actually, I thought this is not your typical summit. This is not your typical negotiation. I I thought it was interesting and I, I give Trump some credit for doing this. 414-799-1620. And I'm certainly not going to turn up my nose and go, well, can you believe he did this? Debbie in Milwaukee. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. I just believe it was like a dream and something could come true of it. I mean, I got goosebumps from listening to it, and that was just a video, just audio. So I thought it was very good. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's it's clearly, it, it's a different sort of thing. You, you, you don't 
this isn't what Barack Obama would have done. It's not what George Bush would have done. It's not, you know, what, what you know, Lyndon Johnson would have done. But th- this is a different time. It's a different president. He understands th- this medium. And so, here, let me try to get your attention. Let me appeal to your ego. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, try it. it. It's definitely out-of-the-box thinking. <laughs> Yes, it is, and I think it was great. I loved it. Now, thanks for the call. Yeah, and if you want to see it, the, the video with it, if you text me the word, the word is trailer, T-R-A-I-L-E-R, as in movie trailer, to 414-799-1620. If you text me that, number, and I'll, I'll send it to you. Because, again, I, it, it's a very, very slickly produced thing. You know, so it, it does. It reminds you of the trailer that you see for, like, a movie preview, you know, with uh, the jets and the military excursions and the sunrises and the dancing kids and, you know, some of the pictures of war in case it goes the other way. So, I mean, I get all that, but I, I give him credit for doing this. I, I, I do. I think it was some out-of-the-box thinking for definitely an out-of-the-box situation. It's 146. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, it, it's Look, I don't know that there's anybody else who could have pulled it off, but President Trump prepares this four-minute video. We played you the audio of it that he showed to the um, North Korean prime minister, dictator Kim Jong-un, as a way of saying, hey, look, this is what we could be. We could do our own movie. We could star in a movie promoting world peace. I think, you know, some people in the mainstream media are kind of turning up their nose and viewing this with disdain. Oh, this is just shocking, etc. At the same time, I don't know, given the egos of the people involved and particularly the ego of the Korean dictator, I don't know, maybe this is something that appeals to him. I give Trump credit for thinking outside the box. Mike in Fond du Lac. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Um, you know, my thinking is that, you know, if you look at it from a historical perspective, you know, if somebody um, offered, let's say, one of the satellite states like uh, Poland, the opportunity to participate in the, the, the uh, Marshall Plan and be like, hey, here it is. You can have this or you can have, you know, something else that you don't know what that is. Um, I, I would say it's not all bad. And I'm not I'm not hating the, the, the video. I, I haven't seen it. I just heard the audio. Mm-hmm. But I think it works. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a way of kind of breaking the ice and illustrating the things that might be possible. Um, and so, and especially when you're dealing with somebody who is, I don't know, has the ego that a Kim Jong Un has and has been isolated. Maybe the idea of hey, uh, instead of being viewed as this dictator and a tyrant from a third world country, maybe this is an opportunity to say, hey, I, I can I can be part of the mainstream and I, I can be winning the Nobel Peace Prize with Donald Trump of all things. Wouldn't that be something interesting? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, of course the left is going to have a field day with it, you know. I, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, on every, um, you know, it'll be uh, mocked, right? It yeah. it it will it will be mocked. Oh, look at this simplistic president. This is the this is the type of thing that you do to try to recruit a high school kid to come to your college. Not the type of thing that you try to get to promote world peace. And maybe they'll turn out to be right. But I guess I'm willing to. <laughs> I think it was something different, and you know, maybe it'll work. Maybe it's just out there enough that it'll work. Yeah, it's another piece of the puzzle. I think when he said, you know, Kim Jong Un loves his people, that was the, another piece of the puzzle. Saying, you know, hey, he, he, he sees what's possible. This is possible, um, and he loves his people, even though he's, you know, the, you know, has a terrible record. Um, maybe he still wants 
you know, as an egomaniac, um, he wants North yeah. Korea to be a, a world power or to be something in the world standing. So right. he might he might fight into this. Yeah, he, he might. I mean, thanks for calling. He, he might, and again, he might not. All right, he, he he might not. We're not going to know that. But if it's a way of of breaking the ice between these two, I mean, you know, keep in mind this is the first time in a long time that you've had you know an, an American president who's met with somebody like him, you know. And if it's look, if it if it's possible, if it moves you down the the road towards peace on the Korean Peninsula, isn't that a, a decent thing, Kathy and Franklin? Hi, Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I was just thinking, and I don't know the proverb completely, but there's a Chinese proverb that says, um, tell me, and I might remember, show me, and it'll be there longer, and make me, incorporate me in doing something, and I'll remember it forever. And I'm just thinking, after probably doing a lot of research on this man's personality, the North Korean leader, that um, maybe they've decided not only he's not left brain, but maybe right brain, (laughs) he needs to see something rather than be told something. And maybe that would make a deeper impression and not him. Yeah, you so. know, it's interesting. I have, I have a texter who says, you know, I don't think this is insulting. I, it's, Kim loves pop culture, told it like it is, you know, and yeah. and so maybe that's it. This is, you know, you, you have this entire generation of people who are the MTV generation and they like to see the videos. And yes, is it simplistic? Yeah, it, it is, but maybe it's the type of thing that catches somebody's attention. What can you lose? Exactly. Um, thanks for the call. No, I mean, I think okay. that's interesting. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, this is, why not have the narration be in Korean since it was created to appeal to Kim Jong-un? You can have English subtitles for an American audience to view or just create a second version in English. Now, that's a fair question. I don't, th- this is the version that was shown to the traveling press corps is my understanding of it. Whether there's, um, you know, whether there was one that, that had was in Korean, don't know. Uh, let's see, Matthew texts, none of the previous approaches worked, so why not change? I guess, yeah, I think this is a, again, it's one of these things where, you know, you're you're taking a shot and you're trying to see, you know, if you're going to be able to make a breakthrough. Nothing wrong with that. It's, and again, mark my words, this will be mocked, I think, tonight on a lot of the Talking head shows. It, this might just be out of the box enough, though, that it actually works. And won't we all be better off if that's the case? All right, when we come back, I'm going to tell you what crusties are and why should we care about that. Bill Clinton, maybe it's time for him just to go away. And why do we care about Time Warner and um, AT&T? I'll discuss it all. Stick around. It's 156. This is Jeff Wagner. Their complete line of Weber grills. Ace Hardware is also Dad's Big Green Egg headquarters. All Weber and Big Green Egg grills are on sale. Does Dad like barbecue smokers? See the complete line of Traeger grills for that great smoke flavor. Need it fast? No problem. Ace Hardware will set up your grill and deliver it for free. Stop in and save big on Dad's next grill. Ace Hardware, 1009 Marquette Avenue in South Milwaukee. Church and Chapel Funeral Homes. Several locations. Several choices. Church and Chapel Funeral Homes. There's one near you. The $1 down and then $10 a month deal at Planet Fitness is on now. Join in club or online at planetfitness.com. The world judges. We don't. Planet Fitness. Be free. Offer expires Friday, June 15th. 14 Milwaukee area locations. Brand new Kenosha location now open. See club for details. You won't find a better price on a mattress than Steinhoffel's. Guaranteed. 
This is what people have been waiting for for a long time. Nobody thought we could be on this track. For the first time in history, a sitting American president meets with the leader of North Korea. We'll be in Singapore. Continuing coverage of the Singapore summit. For panhandlers, um, what happens is, as, as you're coming on 43 South, you get off at the Capitol Drive exit. You First of all, you, you hit a, a stoplight as you're getting onto Green Bay. And there is always one or more guys that are there with the signs, you know, begging for, for money. And sometimes the guys are pretty aggressive. They're actually walking between the lanes. These are cars as they're getting off the freeway, you know, begging for money. Then what happens is you end up making kind of a left turn, and then you go to the uh, intersection of Green Bay and Capitol Drive, and I, there's, there's another set of stoplights. And it's not uncommon to see two or three panhandlers – bums, whatever, you know, on these different corners flagging down traffic. That's against the law to do this, but I understand the Milwaukee police have, Lord knows, a lot of other stuff. In any event, I almost, and of course I'm the guy that goes on the radio and just says you, you shouldn't give money to these people. First of all, you know, somebody's going to get hit and killed. I mean, there, there's, it, sooner or later, in this intersection, there's going to be somebody that's going to be wandering in the middle of the road while people or cars are getting off the freeway. They're going to get hit. Or what's going to happen is somebody's going to slow down when there's a green light to give somebody money, and somebody else isn't going to be expecting a car in front of them to stop when they've got the green light, and they're going to hit them. It, it, it's, it's going to happen sooner or, or later. And I'm the guy that always preaches you know, you shouldn't give money to these people because you never know where the money – you don't know what the need is. You don't know if it's somebody who's legitimately homeless or you don't know if it's somebody who's just decided this is going to be kind of my scam and this is the way I'm going to make dough that I don't have to pay taxes on and it's easier than working at a regular job. And, and you just don't know. So my advice has always been, and I think the city of Milwaukee now tells people this, don't give money to the panhandlers. It just encourages them. If you want to give money, give money to the, the rescue mission or give money to the you know the church soup kitchen or whatever. There's all sorts of vehicles that you have to give money to make sure that it's going to go to the right place. Now, having said that, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, I almost broke my rule. I almost stopped my car and gave money to one of the panhandlers slash bums who was standing by the side of the road off of Capitol Drive today. He was on the corner. Uh, I'm going southbound. Um, on Green Bay Road, so it's that stoplight. You take a left turn to come down Capitol to come to our station. I'm at the stoplight. There's a guy standing there who actually was, as panhandlers go, he was better dressed than a lot of the panhandlers. I swear to God, this is the sign he had. It said, homeless, need money for beer. Why lie? <laughs> I, I, almost, I almost gave the guy 10 bucks. Because at least it's like, all right, fine, let this homeless need money for beer, why lie? And I thought, okay, at least this guy is up front about this. You know, he's 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 and I mean it was kind of this sort of clever thing, but I, I, I resisted the urge and I ended up not giving money. But I did smile and I at least thought, okay, here's a guy who's probably being candid. You know, it's like give me money, easier to beg than to work at a job. All right. I bring this up as a as a lead in to it's actually kind of a, a serious story and it's a phenomena that's now starting to sweep the nation now Gru, you told me earlier that you don't know what a crusty is all right now there there is a huge problem 
with homelessness across this country. But hear me out on this. To the point that there's you know, there's story after story. Um, okay, California, which is, of course, as liberal a state as there is in the country. And in California, you know, the, if you want to, the San Francisco Bay Area is one of the ultimate liberal enclaves. I mean, you know, it's it's home to Cal Berkeley, you know, which is the where the, the free speech movement started and things like that. They, it is a huge problem. Just like, just like uh, transients and homeless people have become a huge issue in Madison. It's an even bigger problem in California to the point that, you know, in Berkeley, for example, this is Berkeley. The Common Council, it's so bad that they just passed a an ordinance which um, limits sitting down and lying down on sidewalks, a limit on how many dogs a person can have along a commercial strip, and it designates where homeless people are allowed to sit. That's because the community is being overrun with homeless people. And Madison has the same problem. That's why you've got the hippy-dippy mayor who wants to be governor of Madison. I mean, he's he's talking about how, you know, we need these different restrictions on, you know, where people can stay because he recognizes you've got the city to run. And, you know, if the city's going to run, you need people to be able, people need to be able to, you know, go into businesses without being plagued by, again, the homeless people. Now, part of the thing is that when you hear about this homelessness, you hear, you think, oh, these are people who are down on their luck, or these are people who are mentally ill, um, these are people who have drug or alcohol problems, or, or whatever. And that's true to an extent. Huge story, though, that's out there about the other group of people who are on the streets. They're called crusties, or crusty punks, or gutter punks, or crumb bums, or dirty kids. These are just some of the names. This is the new trend that's out there. This is a group of young adults who have decided they want to be homeless by choice. This is the lifestyle they've chosen. I'm looking at a story about this. These are kids and young people who have rejected a more traditional 9-to-5 lifestyle in favor of train hopping, panhandling, and voluntarily homelessness. Homelessness. And while, again, traditionally, you know, people in urban areas have tolerated, these transient groups um, have been involved in a series of incidents in recent years, which are now causing municipalities to crack down on them. New York City's East Village, which, uh, again, has always been kind of a hippie, you know, haven. Uh, you have these people spotted doing drugs in local parks, camping outside of apartment buildings, sleeping outside storefronts. That This decision that some people are making to, this is going to be our beatnik generation, and we're just going to, we're going to hang out. We're not going to work. This is going to be, you know, the lifestyle that we choose. And as a result of that, you have cities which are now starting to crack down on it. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. How do cities deal with this? Should we be in a situation where, all right, we just allow this to go on or is it appropriate to crack down on this? Is it appropriate to say, we got to get people off the street, we cannot allow this type of vagrancy, or is that cruel and unusual? 
listeners, but we can't help if you don't call 414-448-4088 or visit PERLDavid.com. Pearl Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, Wisconsin Licensee, 136675, NLS 1-1-6. The kielbasa is grilling, the music is playing, and your Tischke beer is waiting. Looking for a fun and affordable way to spend a weekend? Visit Polish Fest, June 15th through the 17th at the Summerfest Grounds. Five stages of entertainment await you. Relax in the Tischke Beer Gardens or the Chopin Vodka Lounge. Enjoy amazing food selections. The Cultural Village is showcasing new exhibits and artisans. Take in the 20th Annual Chopin Youth Piano Competition. Visit polishfest.org for more info. Brought to you by Miller Lite and Tischke, official beers of Polish Fest. Two twenty, Jeff Webber, WTMJ, Crusties. That that's the thing. You never know when you see the people that are panhandling. Are these people who are really legitimately down on their luck? Or is this part of this large and apparently ever-growing number of people who are homeless by choice, who've simply decided to adopt this transient lifestyle and you know, go around the country begging money because it's easier, at least they view it as being easier than having to work for a living. Uh, it's a phenomenon. A lot of cities are having to deal with it. All right. I'm going to explain the difference between... now. Was producing the show. Let me put you on the spot here. Do you know the difference from ant- for antitrust purposes between a horizontal merger and a vertical merger? You do not. All right. I will explain this. I will explain this. In another life, once when I was getting out of law school, I thought at one point in time, for about 15 minutes, I thought maybe I'd like to be an antitrust lawyer, you know, work for the government. Might have had an opportunity to do that, but then I quickly came to my senses and figured I'd, I'd rather chase dope dealers and bank robbers. It was much more fun. But but here's, here, here's the difference, and th- this all ties into something that's going to be announced actually at 3 o'clock today and is potentially going to have a big impact on your life. A horizontal merger is where companies that make the same thing get together. The government looks at that because they want to make sure that it doesn't get to be anti-competitive. By that I mean, let's say Gru runs a brewery, and Gru's, the beer he produces, he produces beer, that 40% of the beer market in the U.S. is by Gru. And I run a brewery, and I got 35%. And then you've got a lot of other people that have smaller percentages. Gru comes to me and says, Jeff, I want to buy your brewery. And you put them together, and you're going to have 75% of the beer market in the country. Well, the lawyers from the Department of Justice, the antitrust people, might look at that because they might say, hey, now you're going to have, if we let this merger go through, one company is going to own 75% of the business, and then what they can do is they can you know, drive all the small operators out of business. That's what's known as a horizontal um, merger. Companies that are in the same line of business merging. That's the most common thing that happens. There's also what's called a vertical merger, which is where different companies that make different things, but they're in the same pipeline, They merge. For example, let's say Gru runs the brewery, makes 50% of the beer that's sold in this country. I run a trucking company, and my trucking company, a beer gets delivered by trucks, my trucking company uh, delivers 50% of the beer across the country. 
So Gru decides, you know, instead of hiring trucking companies, I want to just own it. So I'm going to buy Jeff's trucking company. So I, I'm not, it's not a competitor. You know, it's a complimentary sort of thing. But now Gru owns 50%, a company that makes 50% of the beer that's consumed in the country. And now he controls 50% of the, distrib- the way beer gets distributed. So that's what's known as a vertical merger. All right. Now, I tell you this because in about 35 minutes, a federal judge out of New York is going to announce a decision that potentially could impact all of us. AT&T wants to buy Time Warner, Inc. Now, Time Warner, and this has been going on for a couple years, the Department of Justice is trying to block it. Now, this isn't Time Warner Cable, right? This is, Time Warner Cable is, they were sold, now it's like Charter Spectrum, but Time Warner Cable is a separate company. Time Warner Cable is the cable company. They control, all right, the cable boxes, they buy content, they package it, they deliver it via cable to your house. That's not this. AT&T is a, AT&T is um the provider of the the cable service, or in this case, the you know the broadband service. AT and T runs the phones. AT and T has Direct TV. They have UVerse Video. They're the pipeline that brings the stuff to your house. They want to buy Time Warner Inc., which is the company. It's not the cable company. It's the company that owns HBO and CNN, and TNT, and TBS, and Warner Brothers Studios, like the Wonder Woman movies and all those type of things. What they want to do, what AT&T wants to do, is it wants to take over Time Warner, so it will now control the content, HBO, things like that, various TV shows, etc., and it will control the content delivery, the pipeline. And they want to they want to take over Time Warner. So now AT and T would not only bring the stuff to your house, but they would control what stuff it is they bring to your house. The Justice Department has been trying to block this, arguing that this would be an illegal vertical merger. Honda. Now sixty six cars must go this month, or I will make my goal. Put it in the back of the net with a nice and newer car. Plus, I need your car, so I'm giving $3,500 over Kelly Blue Book. So, if your goal is to spend summer in a cool new ride, I want to help you make your dream a reality. Yes, we can do that. So, red card... If this judge allows this to happen, you are going to see other similar sort of mergers, and it's going to green light the merging of content with content delivery systems. And I will tell you, at least in my opinion, the effect of that is going to be incredibly anti-consumer. If AT&T owns, again, Uverse, DirecTV, owns HBO, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that they will try to steer everybody that wants HBO to their platforms. There's no question about it. There's not much reason to buy it otherwise. That's why they want to buy it, because they want to control the content. 
if you allow the merger of the content providers with the delivery companies, I think it's going to be incredibly anti-consumer. Now, the judge is going to announce his ruling in 30 minutes. You can go broke trying to predict what judges are going to do, but I think the judge is going to hold against the Department of Justice and probably allow this merger to go through, which is going to start a whole new round of uh, buyouts and things like that. It's going to reduce the marketplace, and it's going to jack up Again, it's going to, in my opinion, reduce the number of options and raise the cost for all of it, all of us. So it's why you should care if you're, again, somebody who likes to watch HBO or likes to get cable or likes to get uh, satellite stuff. If this goes through, it's going to be bad for all of us. And my fear is it's going to go through. We'll know in about 30 minutes. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so cool. Producing the show, you got that—the horizontal versus that vertical monopoly thing. Yeah, and and I I bring this up because I understand people's eyes glaze over. But you're going to be hearing about this decision again. It's going to come out in about 25 minutes, and it is going to impact you again. Typically, when the government gets involved and tries to stop mergers based on antitrust stuff, it's typically aimed at what they call horizontal mergers, uh, two businesses that do the same thing. We make beer getting together so they'll have too much market share. They'll have too much of the they'll have too much of the market. Gru makes forty percent of the beer. I make thirty five percent of the beer. We merge. We got seventy five percent of the market, and we're going to use that power to run everybody else out of business and to jack up prices. That's the typical antitrust thing. This AT and T thing is different, and it's the first time in a long time that the government has tried to block something based on the objection of a vertical merger. AT&T, through DirecTV and Uverse, they're the pipeline that brings content into your house, right? Um, Time Warner Inc., not Time Warner Cable, but Time Warner Inc., and that's what the subject of this merger is, they're a content provider. HBO, TBS, CNN, all sorts of TV programs, Warner Brothers Films, they're a content provider. AT&T wants to take them over, and the concern is if you allow the content provider that now you know is taken over by the content delivery system, what AT&T will do is they'll say to other say, cable networks, you, know, you can't have HBO, or if you want HBO, we're going to charge you three or four times as much in a way to force people to say, well, gee, I really want HBO. And so if I want to have HBO or I want to have TBS or whatever, my only choice is to go to AT&T. That's what the concern is. Um, no matter how you cut this, I think consumers will lose out if the judge allows it. I think the judge is going to allow it because then what's going to happen is you're going to have other similar takeovers um, involving some of the other providers. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to, we as consumers, are going to end up having fewer choices and we're going to have to pay more money for it. That's why the Department of Justice has been trying to block this. I don't think they're going to succeed, but I hope I'm wrong. All right. I sat down here at about 10 to 12 right when this traffic problem started. And I'm just kind of amazed because it hasn't gotten any better at all. If you've been listening through the course of the afternoon, what happened is there was a police incident. There was an incident that the police are investigating. Some of the reports we're getting is a shots fired type of thing. Don't know the details. But this isn't a crash. It's not a collision. 
law enforcement has shut down the freeway. So if you are trying to come into the city on I-94 or 43 from the south, you're not able to do it. Traffic is being diverted off at the um, Beecher at the on northbound at the the Beecher Mitchell exit and it's been just a standstill our the freeway camera i've access to is focused um on Oklahoma Avenue and cars just aren't moving at all 4147991620 that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line i am unfortunately afraid that some people might be caught in this and might have been caught in it for quite a while my question is, are you one of those people, and if you're listening to radio for the traffic updates, I wish I had better news for you, because at least right now, we, we have no idea as to when it's going to clear up. But have you been stuck in this, and how bad has it been? Like I say, it looks like nothing has been moving, essentially, for two and a half hours. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tales from the front, are you caught in this mess on the freeway, were you caught in the mess on the freeway? Have you gotten through the mess on the freeway? And how long would it take you to do so? We discuss next. 414-799-1620. Are you stuck in traffic? This is sort of our town hall forum because um, I feel your pain. 414-799-1620. It's 240. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, how about that? No sooner, after two-plus hours, do we discuss the people stuck on the freeway, and it appears... It appears that it's freeing up a little bit. Cars are now starting to move, at least on the traffic camera that I have. So, hopefully, that is a hopefully that's a that's a good thing. And when I ask if you're stuck on the freeway, don't text me stuff. You're not supposed to be texting there. All right, this is breaking news. It just literally hot off the press in the last two or three minutes. The district attorney's office has issued a criminal complaint against Liddell William Harrison. He was allegedly the the driver in the car that led to that crash where the officer lost his life. All right, so I, I just this literally is hot off the presses. Um, it is a lengthy criminal complaint. It looks like they have thrown the book at him. Okay, here's the different charges. Let me just kind of go through them again. I'm sharing this with you as I'm reading it. He's been charged count one manufacturing delivery of a controlled substance heroin three grams or less. Count two, manufacturing, delivering of a controlled substance, cocaine. Count three, delivery of a controlled substance, cocaine. Count four, manufacturing, delivery of controlled substance, heroin. Delivery of, count five, delivery of schedule one or two narcotics. Count six, vehicle operator fleeing eluding officer resulting in death of another. That's a class E felony that carries a 15-year, up to a 15-year penalty. So um, that would be the fleeing that resulted in a death. Count seven, vehicle operator fleeing, eluding officer resulting in bodily harm. That's a six-year felony. That would be the injury to the other police officer that wasn't the fatality. Count eight, knowingly operating a motor vehicle while revoked, causing the death of another that's a Class H felony, which is six years or both. Count nine, bail jumping, which is a misdemeanor. Um, he was uh, he was had been released on bail for something else and violates the bond. Count ten, first degree recklessly endangering safety. That's twelve year penalty. 
it'll count 11, first degree, recklessly endangering safety, attempting to flee an officer, et cetera, et cetera. The, um, you know, the bottom line is that um, they, they've really thrown the book at him. I mean, which is appropriately so. Um, they're going back and uh, they have, this doesn't all relate to the incident where he took off and fled the police, but there's um, a number of different charges involving delivery of various drugs, heroin and cocaine, all leading up to the fleeing of off from the, the officers. Um, again, the complaint is just hot off the presses, but um, they are alleging that, again, drove at reckless speeds, you know, uh, drove speed, the Passat that he was driving, driving recklessly, reached speeds of over 68 miles an hour, um, crossing the center line at one point in time. At one point in time, they argue that the Volkswagen, this would be the Passat that he was driving in an effort to get away from police, 91 miles an hour. So, high rate of speed in an effort to get away. Um, again, the complaint is lengthy, but uh, the district attorney, John Chisholm, and I have been critical of Mr. Chisholm from time to time, but at the press conference with um, the police chief and the mayor where they talked about how the homicide unit was going to be investigating this case and they expected to you know, bring charges, they have now brought the complaint. It's 12, 13 pages long, and I'll review it between now and tomorrow's show. But the bottom line is, looks like they went back and they found every possible charge that they could file against the guy that was fleeing from the police, the act of which resulted in the death of the police officer last week. And I, I think... My initial reaction is good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see them throw the book at him, and I hope, candidly, I hope that they, they would continue to do that. I, I hope we realize that when people run from the police, it endangers the lives of so many people. And, and I hope that this starts a trend of the district attorney's office coming down on people who take off from the police, who run, coming down on them like a ton of bricks. I, I mean, I just hope that that happens. And I hope that, and there's, look, there's no silver lining in this very dark cloud, this young police officer losing his life. But perhaps if it wakes up some of the judges around here to the fact that when people run from the police, it endangers fo- folks' lives. If there is, you know, that possibility, if it wakes up the judges and it wakes up the district attorney's office to recognize that every time somebody flees, there is the possibility that something horrible like this can happen, maybe, just maybe, we'll have a wake-up call and and maybe, just maybe, people will stop doing it. You're going to have to put a whole bunch of people in prison. I get that before that message gets out. But to me... I believe there should be mandatory minimum penalties for doing this, and maybe this is the start of a trend that we're going to start taking this seriously. If we took car theft more seriously, around here you'd have fewer car thefts. If we took running from the police more seriously, we would have fewer examples of that, and it wouldn't, maybe, just maybe, we'd have safer streets, at least at some point in time. I, I'm out, The show's kind of getting away from me. I did want to mention something. Bill Clinton, if I were members, leading members of the Democratic Party, I think I would go to President Clinton. And to the extent that you can, you know, get him to, like, rein in things, I, I think 
somebody should have a conversation with him where they say, Bill, Mr. President, maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to stop doing interviews. He's just written this new book. It's a fiction book. And he was doing this tour, what, about a week ago that just, it it just blew up in his face because apparently he was completely prepared and unprepared in the wake of the Me Too movement to anticipate that maybe he would get questions about, you know, the – Monica Lewinsky and how Monica Lewinsky was treated and, you know, should he have resigned? I mean, he was just like deer in the headlights. And then he got mad at the reporters for asking him about those kind of questions. And the mind boggling thing to me was, how could you have gone on this this book tour and done all these interviews without realizing that in today's day and age, this is something that you're going to be asked about? Well, he, he still apparently hasn't gotten it. He did an interview the, the other day um, with PBS for the PBS NewsHour, and he's sitting doing the interview with Al Franken. Al Franken, of course, the comedian turned senator from Minnesota who had to resign. Remember, there was those pictures of Al Franken before he was a senator on the USO tour. Apparently, he's like, you know, either grabbing at or pretending to grab at, you know, one of the other one of the women that was on this USO tour, etc. Once those pictures surfaced, he he was toast. So anyhow, he's he's on with Judy Woodruff on PBS, and this is Bill Clinton with Al Franken, and um, they ask him, they say, well. Mr. President, I assume you think that what happened with you was more serious than what happened with with Senator Franken. He was driven from office from the U.S. Senate. So norms have changed. In other words, you know, you were involved with the, the intern. You got to stay. Franken got got thrown out. Do you think it's a good thing that norms have changed? To which he responds, well, in general, I think it's a good thing. Yes. I think it's a good thing that we should all have higher standards. I think the norms have really changed in terms of what you can do to somebody against their will, how much you can crowd their space, make them miserable at work. Let me read that. This is what the guy says. I think the norms have really changed in terms of what you can do to somebody against their will, how much you can crowd their space, how miserable you can make them at work. All right. One of his, this, even the the lefty heads start exploding. Maggie Haberman, who's one of the reporters for the New York Times, who's very, very hostile to President Trump, her response is, norms have changed about what you can do to someone against their will? That's a hell of a sentiment. <laughs> you know, it, it is. I mean, it's like, okay, here, here's Bill Clinton. I don't know what he was trying to say. I honestly don't. Sometimes people say stuff and they, they misspeak. But I don't even know what he was trying to say. Norms have really changed in terms of what you can do to somebody against their will. All right. So, like, was it ever appropriate to, I don't know, the woman falls asleep on the on the plane. Was it ever appropriate for Franken to grab her breasts while she's uh, asleep? You know, was it ever appropriate for people to do things against their will? I, I'm sure there's some message in there that Bill Clinton is trying to convey. I just don't know what it is, and I don't think anybody knew what it is. Maybe the bottom line is that you reach a time in public life where maybe it's best you just kind of take a couple step back, steps back. And uh, th- this whole book tour that President Clinton has been engaging on over the course of the last week or two, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it does. Well, I think the norms have changed when it comes to terms of what you can do to somebody against their will. Huh? 
<laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I think for most of us, you know, doing stuff to people against their will pretty much always been wrong. It's 2.54. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.